0: Hi there, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovation Deciphered. Today I'm gonna be joined by David McIntyre, who's the CEO of Cubby. This is a great story. David was inspired by trying to help his autistic daughter gain more from school, and has created a really, really innovative platform uh, called Cubby, which provides sensory regulation to people on the spectrum and it's a really inspiring story, and it's making a real difference. So, hope you enjoy it. Hi, David, so David is, David McIntyre is the CEO and founder of Cubby, who's our guest today on the innovation uh, Deciphered podcast. So, David,
1: just can you give me a little bit of background about yourself? Well, uh, um, I'm a designer. Uh, I've worked for some big brands, a lot of little brands, but I guess the most famous one would be Aga, and uh, we've done a lot of design work for them. And back in the day, maybe ten years ago. Yes. Um, this is the
0: cookers. The cookers,
1: yeah, yes. yeah, and the stoves. I, I, designed, I was I was actually designing their stoves. Would you believe not their cookers? Um, so cut my teeth there in engineering and design, and uh, it's probably helped me to get where I am today, that's for sure.
0: So, David,
1: you were doing design for Arga, and then what happened? I decided I needed to be a manager, and I got promoted to a job in Sligo, which is a a town in uh, the northwest of Ireland, Uh, and that didn't suit me too well, and uh, I left that job. And I uh, decided to start my own business for my sense in design. Um, and that wasn't going great either, actually, funny enough. Uh, but um, I was asked actually around the time to design uh, some equipment for a school, which was interesting. And I guess three things kind of come together for me at around the same period. I was made redundant, so I had a, a little bit of cash. Um, my daughter was diagnosed uh, as autistic um and i was uh, designing a sensory room for a school down the road um and that's really what started this business if you like that's how we got into the cubby if you want if you so i spent all my money went very broke very quickly and but at the end of it we had a product called cubby a cubby
0: so you're a a product designer by background, was it? Or an engine, electrical engineer? What, what was
1: that? Uh, industrial design. Industrial uh, design. Actually, I, I left school at uh, 15. I, I don't have any real qualifications other than a toolmaker. Um, design came to me over a hard-won um, experience. Yes. So when I started as a toolmaker, I was on machines. Uh, computer-aided design started to come in. I had a good at- aptitude for it in the company. And all of a sudden I was in the design office doing 3D design work. And that progressed and uh, started prototyping and building product designs for other companies. Um, and then I got the opportunity to work for Waterford Stanley, who were a company belonging to Aga. And then again started designing for Aga after that. Okay. So we've got to the point where you've
0: had this idea. Was it inspired by your daughter or, was, or is it you... Were- Working yeah. in the school, and then your daughter was diagnosed.
1: Yeah, no, my daughter was diagnosed when I was working for the other company, and um, it was um, it's a frightening experience. Actually, autism is when you get the diagnosis, especially at a young age, two and a half. Um, it it frightened the life out of me. I'm I'm dyslexic. That's why I left school at fifteen. I couldn't I couldn't integrate into the education yeah. system uh, system. So um, when I heard about her disability. It it, um, inspired me, I guess, to um, think a little differently about her, actually. So uh, when you get a diagnosis of that magnitude, uh, the first thing you worry about is independent living. How will she progress? She was very young, two and a half, we had no idea. Um, And you get an education by uh, the National Health Board uh, that you have here uh, in Ireland. And they explain to you what autism is. And it's, it's a very frightening experience. And uh, one of the things that they tell you, for instance, is that your daughter could be verbal uh, one day and nonverbal the next day and continue to be nonverbal for the rest of her life. Um, So it's called a spectrum and they can actually move along that spectrum at any time. And uh, as a parent, that frightens the hell out of you. Um, We met other parents at the same time and um, we started hearing about the stories about what's happening in schools and mainstream education. Um, And my background being dyslexic and not going through the education sector, probably the right way. I was very worried that um, my daughter would have a similar experience and not be able to achieve maybe a a good level of education. And the barriers that are facing people at autism in schools mostly is their behaviour. And their behaviour stems from the actual environment around them. So light and sound, etc. So it's called sensory processing disorder. Um, And that's what kind of rounds off about designing a sensory room for a school down the road, is um, the first question I had about a sensory room is how does it work? And uh, what we decided to do, um, and I must tell you, it was 12 months after I came up with the idea of coffee, um, is to start a business where we, we'd solve this problem in the education sector. Uh, and instead of the child being outside of the classroom, which is usually the case because of the behavior, they're now back into the classroom. And that was the idea as to how do we get that person back into the classroom. So,
0: and that, was that inspired by your daughter's diagnosis, or was it... Uh,
1: yes, um, yeah, it, it, it certainly helped that I understood um, the barriers going to face her in life. However, being asked to design a sensory room came after, um, some time after. Um, the idea um, really came to my, the front of my thinking, I suppose, was when I looked at the research around sensory rooms and how they worked. And, and sensory rooms can work, but you need um, what they call an occupational therapist that is a sensory integration expert. Um, and what was lacking in schools is that they didn't have that occupational therapist expert there. It, they're, they're, they're hard to get and they're expensive. Um, and um, if it was looking at a, a typical sensory room, you see that it has lights and bubble machines and, and, and soft uh, furnishings. But what I couldn't understand is how that would fit in with the different kinds of sensory processing disorder there is. So there's four different types. There's, um, there's a seeker, there's a bystander, there's an avoider, and there's a sensory. And these, they're categorized by uh, research done in the 60s and 70s by ears. And what it told us was that the seeker is, uh, is looking for stimulation. Um, they're, they're under-stimulated, and they are seeking stimulus. The problem that they have is that they usually don't know when to stop seeking these stimulus and therefore they go into uh, what they call a sensory overload and that is the behavioral issues that happens in the classroom and what happens to that child is they're usually removed from the classroom they walk on the, up and down hallways for hours at a time or they spend a lot of time in sensory rooms um, and what we will try to do is we looked at that issue about that person's needs and how do we deliver them quickly so that instead of walking the corridors for two hours or being sent home, they're now back in the classroom being educated. And that's what we've achieved with Cubby.
0: Brilliant. it's just amazing. Um, so how did you, you, you had the, you said you had the idea and it took you 12 months to do anything about yeah. it.
1: Yeah. So what were you doing? The research then? Or I was actually very afraid of it. Um, actually very afraid of it. Um, it's a big undertaking to try to change um, a system, and that's what Cubby is, is doing, is changing a system, an education system. Uh, I've had many inventions in my time. Uh, some worked, some not so much. Well, <laughs> didn't work so well. However, um, this I knew if I took the first step in this journey because of my child's diagnosis that I would be all in. And that the the amount of work and effort that it would take to get this off the ground and moving and change people's thought processes around their issues uh, would be a, a seismic uh, a se- undertaking, and it has proven so. However, we are making progress. Just to give you an idea that how, wh- how long have you been working on this now? Seven years. Now. Seven years. Yes.
0: So concept. You had a year really, really worrying about the like the m- magnitude of the task then six years implementing it So said what what's the last six years been like in terms of you, yeah you've got your processes your products launched though or...
1: yeah it's it's a, it's a story of failure and success <laughs> the failure the the, the redundancy money I was talking to you about was spent on the first prototypes we we went to the school that wanted the sensory room built I explained to them what I was going to build I had invented it. and they said yes we we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take two. And I went, excellent, we're on the road, this is the winner. So we built two products and uh, we made the terrible mistake of saying to them, you know, let's try one of these and see how it works. And I had an occupational therapist help me and uh, we went into the school, we put it in and uh, it didn't work. Uh, It worked for the child, however, it didn't work for the school. And I guess my own prejudice against the school system might have not helped very much because uh, initially I think my, my attitude was well, you know, you have to bring this in. It helps the kid. Therefore, you, know, you need to adopt your systems around it. Uh, but that's not the reality. The reality is, was they have systems. Breaking those systems is is a big deal for these uh, institutions. So we had to find a way of making it the product easier to use. Um, and that's when we started actually moving away from a hardware product, which was what initially the idea was, to more of a software product. So can you just
0: give me a little bit of, detail around what your technology product
1: is now. okay well the, the it, it, there's three parts to the platform now we have a platform um, cubby the cubby hub itself is a physical structure um, it's wheelchair accessible and it's made to fish into any spaces it's, it's a small footprint it's um it's uh, hardwired to the internet and it has a software interface on it so it has actually two computers on it and inside the cubby is visual different seating, uh, lighting, and music. And we categorize the visuals and the uh, music very carefully. We have three levels. So at the very top, we have energizing. In between is, is our own invention, is medium. And the last one is calming. And what we try to do is move a person between overstimulated or understimulated into the middle so that they're at the optimum, we call it, optimum regulation. Uh, Regulation is sometimes seen as a bad word, but it's sensory regulation. If you're able to regulate your sensory needs, you're able to modulate, which means you can actually participate. And uh, that's the core of this business, is participation. Uh, Inclusion is a nice thing to have, but we're about participation. We want the person to participate in whatever the activity is. So does that mean that this... Is it a cubby
0: hole? Is that what it is? Cubby hub, we call it. Cubby hub, yeah.
1: But the cubbyhole that, is that's where the name came in the, from. Yeah. That's,
0: in the, that's in the classroom, so they're in the same no, physical space, or no, is it
1: outside the classroom? we usually put them outside the classroom. Um, and there was debate about that at the early stages. The intention was to put it in the classroom initially, so that the pe- people could move freely in and out. However, we found that the person, um, there's a stigma attached to need. Um, and it's not intentional, it's, it's a peer-to-peer thing. Um, Looking back at my own experience with dyslexia, I started to distance myself from others once I could see differences between me and them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happens naturally. It's not uh, when I was growing up as a young man, I, I, I blamed them for moving away. However, when I look back now in my 40s, early 40s, mid 50s, mid, 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 uh, I can see that I was actually moving away. It was me that was actually pulling myself away. Um, getting extra supports, there was a stigma attached to that. And what we tried to do with CUBBY is make it that there's no stigma attached to it. Um, uh, and that was one of the essences. The second reason we took it out of the class is um, it disrupts the classroom. When it's in it. There's, it, there's music inside of it, it's not soundproof. And what we felt uh, was that it would be better that the person, if they needed to experience uh, a bit of time out, that removing them from the classroom as part of the daily routine would be would be acceptable. And a lot of schools do have a routine of taking a child out for a short period of time for extra supports. So it actually worked in the school's favour to be able to have it.
0: So it works by the the child's in the normal classroom and when they
1: need a break, they go go to the Cubby Hub. Cubby Hub, so that's the second part of the platform is the occupational therapist uh, link, and that's the real innovation. So all the Cubby Hubs are connected to uh, um, uh, a team of OTs We call them OTs for occupational therapists and they actually create the experiences for each person. So when the child or the young person comes up to the cubby the cubby remembers them and delivers an experience specifically designed to help them regulate their sensory needs. So if they're overstimulated we can bring them down and if they're understimulated we can bring them up. It takes about 10 minutes and after 10 minutes they go back to the classroom and they participate in the classroom.
0: How does the child decide when to go doesn't it the teacher says we do. we do our occupational therapist puts in a schedule the whole thing yeah oh so it's a it's like a 10 to 10 you're going for 10 minutes yeah right okay yeah there's yeah. not some
1: clever thing on your watch that's saying oh no. we're getting there we're getting yeah. there that's, okay. the that's, <laughs> that's the next steps the next release it, it is well we have, that's the third part of the platform now is an app we've just released an app in uh in mayo it's a bit of a soft launch to test it out yeah but the idea is, um, and this came to me in, in a trip to Spain, actually. We went to Spain, myself and my family. Um, we, were, we were completely broke for five years with this journey. Myself and my wife, we spent all our money and we didn't collect a wage for five years when we started this company. So when we started, we got a little bit of investment, we got a few pounds together, we said we're going on a holiday. And uh, we went to Spain and we landed in Spain and my daughter was disregulated for four days of the five-day holiday. And I just said to myself, would not it be great if I could land in Spain and a cubby was there and my child's programs would be there. So now we developed an app and the app actually brings that freedom. So a parent in a primary school, as long as they put in their um, email address, the same school, they'll get their child's sensory programs and they can now go to any cubby and put in their ID number and their child's programs will be there. So for yeah. instance, we have them in libraries in Ireland and we can see people moving from the schools at the weekends to use cubbies. And we have them in football stadiums. Uh, and again, they can go to the football stadium and get the exact same experience that we know works. Um, and we measure and readjust the programs all the time as well. So I guess in the football, it's less likely to be understimulated. Well, you know, the, the, again it goes back to what we're about, which is participation. Yes. And so uh Aviva Stadium, they 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 seen the vision. Uh, at a very early stage and they actually put a cubby right beside the stand and uh, it's incredible what they've done because a lot of people put sensory rooms in the third area out of the way in a place that isn't usually used if you know what I mean it's not an economic benefit to the the, the stadium however what uh, Aviva did was to put it right behind the stand and they actually put the kids in the stand shouting for the team and if they need a break cubby's right behind them and they just walk up key in their number and their experience to start amazing yeah it is just amazing
0: so give me some idea of the, the sort of scale of this now in ireland because obviously it's in schools it's you the local libraries it sounds like it's in some football stadium it is yeah. it's an incredible journey
1: yeah. uh we're we're nearing 100 cubbies now in ireland uh it's a real watershed moment for us because really we didn't launch this product until last year Cause COVID hit, yeah. Uh, schools closed down. Our primary market, not the greatest market to get into schools, um, and our product is is not a, it's not cheap. It's not expensive, but it has a, a a keen price point for what we're doing, uh. For especially for schools who have limited budgets, um. But we're now nearing a hundred. We have actually ninety eight cubbies sold in Ireland, and two more. And uh, I think there's going to be a few bottles of champagne open for the hundred. That's for sure. So it's an incredible journey uh we're now putting them in london we have them in cumbria uh so we're starting to get that network here in the uk as well um, and again they're all connected so um you uh, somebody in london could fly into ireland with the copy program and use their copy program there just key their number in
0: that's just amazing it's just amazing so get, so the, there's nearly 100 in ireland and what effect has it had on the children, and I suppose their classmates? Have you been able to measure that?
1: We have, yeah. Um, the Education Authority in Northern Ireland just done a big case study with us, and uh, it's incredible um, the impact. We, we, at the beginning, you're never sure. You know, you you, you come up with an innovative idea, you, you think you're doing the right thing by connecting things together. Uh, it's one of the powers I have as as dyslexia. I I can jump to a solution, but it's not always right. But that's all right uh, we knew it was working and um, but it was um, feedback we were getting we never had anything really tangible to show that it was working once we started collecting data which we do now and we got the opportunity to do a case study with the education authority in northern ireland we had um, eight schools take part 160 students and the results were incredible um, um, we've changed i think and uh, I, I, it's hard to be humble when you're on these things, but we we have made a huge impact on the lives of not only the child, but on the school and on the parents and the greater family. Yes. And it's it's it, there's a halo effect to what Cubby does. For instance, um, talking to a young girl in Saint Ives in Dublin, um, she she talked to me about she loves Cubby. Uh, it's all about space. Her experience we built. So w- what we do is. Um, if you tell us what your special interest is, so you might tell me you have science and maths for your special interests, we'll create a whole space experience for you. And it's all categorised and carefully choreographed. Uh, And what I'm trying to do for you is give you something that you're interested in and experiencing, instead of just something generic. Um, And this child told me about her space journey in Cobby and that she wants to be an astronaut. And I was very upset. It was an incredible story. And then I talked to her mother and her mother says, well, you know, she comes home now, she can actually do her homework, which she could never do before. That that Cubby has actually released that potential in her, that she now can actually study and compete and, and, and participate with her classmates. So that's what it does. It releases potential. And Just that's what's incredible. Yeah. So for teachers, it's less behavioural issues in the classroom. They can do what they have to do. And an incredible thing has happened where uh, I think it's called hacking. We now have neurotypical which is people without sensory processing or neurodivergent, um, using for anxiety. So students are coming in to use Covey for anxiety and we have teachers using it for mindfulness. So it's become a product not just for um, a subgroup of disability, it's become a product for everybody. And we're very proud of that. And that was the whole aim at the beginning, to not try to put stigma around the product itself. So,
0: inspired by your daughter's diagnosis you created this product to help autistic children at school but it's it turns out it's got even wider application than that yeah yeah for neurotypical people yeah plus people who've got anxiety people who are just stressed out need to yeah. unwind for 10 minutes
1: yeah it's incredible isn't it uh so yeah we we, we do know that a lot of teachers are using it the students crossing over to use it is incredible though, because it, it sets it sets a course i think for the reduction of disability and ability and this is this is the journey we're on is diversity and it's 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 about inclusion I understand if we have a product which we do that is for everybody, it doesn't become about disability and ability all of a sudden it just enables people to to participate.
0: Yes, I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Because if it's everyone, I guess, from what you're telling me, this can help everyone. It does, yeah. Regardless of how everyone else thinks about you, there's something this product can offer you. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's just amazing. Yeah. So what's for the future, Oof. apart from more than 98 being sold in Ireland? I mean, is
1: it, obviously you
0: want to, Get this, this what worldwide or is it you well, we're, with Europe? we
1: are we are we're focusing on education but we're 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 getting what I look to call a pull from a lot of different sectors right now of course, um, as work gets out there, um, we have more and more souls coming on board, making the investment. The one thing that we're trying to do is get corporate social responsibility involved, and uh, we think that there's a huge opportunity. For number one is. One of the things that corporate social responsibility can't get is data of of the impact that they're making with the money they're spending. We can give them that. So we're moving more into that space to try to find uh, a a lever, I guess, for schools to be able to afford to buy the product. And for the corporate social responsibility to tick that big box about disability, community and education. Uh, It's usually the three of the four pillars that they have. So this product fits there nicely and I think that's the next steps for us is to try to fill that gap of funding these products going in and we're, we're starting to see a lot of uh, companies do that. Furthermore, I told you about the ecosystem and the infrastructure and that's the vision by the way is to build this infrastructure so people can move freely. Uh, we see these in shopping centres but more importantly we actually see it in the workplace and we're now talking to some big big companies about putting these into the workplace and again what what interested me was, I th- initially, and I, I must say, I might be a little bit sceptical about people's um, intentions. I thought it was a box-ticking exercise of inclusion. Got a copy? We've done what we should do. However, the remarkable thing was that that the company that actually approached us uh, first, they're looking to employ people with neurodivergencies. They're looking for autistic people. They're looking for dyslexic people. They ADHD. They want to bring these people in because these people are the free thinkers that they're looking for to drive their businesses forward. And I just thought that was incredible. So the journey is, the idea of the journey was education, community and the workplace. And we're just about to hit the third one already in our second year of trading. So it's incredible.
0: It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. So, well, David, I mean, it's it's just been fantastic having you on the podcast today really appreciate you coming over from Ireland and talking to us so everyone hope you enjoyed that episode and I'll see you on the next one bye thanks very much that was great